Welcome to the PT Coffee Cast, a podcast helping coffee-infused clinicians elevate their practice by realizing the tools they already possess. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the PT Coffee Cast, brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and alongside me today is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? Doing good. Feeling nice and cozy here. Yeah, we're tight. There's three three dudes, three coffees. It's going to be a good good episode. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been that kind of morning. Yeah. You know the you know what I was thinking about is uh, you know Zach Galifianakis? Yeah. He does that show like Between Two Ferns. That's what we're doing here. I feel like Nick is like between the beard and the scruff. Well, I'm obviously Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's okay. Or maybe the two of us combined make one Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, we're back with another episode. We haven't done an interview episode in a while, so this will be fun to uh, to see how it goes. Um, we have Nick on the podcast. Nick is one of our um, mentees right now. Um, he's been going through our mentorship program. Will has been the leader of that. Um, you know, a lot of the other clinicians that we have here at the movement have gone through the mentorship program, like Nada and Jess and Eric. Um, so Nick um, has had the pleasure of going through it. So we're going to talk a little bit about Nick's journey into the world of physio, how the mentorship's gone, what he's enjoyed so far as a new clinician and all that fun stuff. So Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks guys. How does it feel to be on the actual show instead of watching like you did the one time? Better, I think. <laughs> a little less awkward than sitting in the corner staring at you guys while you're talking. Yeah. Now you get to join the conversation. Um, well, why don't we start with this? What... Um, what led you into the world of physio? Was there like a specific aha moment where you're like, this is it? Or what was the journey like? Not really. I don't think there was one specific moment. It was more just kind of a gradual buildup from playing sports as a kid. Kind of a cliche thing for people to say. But I mean, growing up playing hockey here I, in Ontario, after kind of pursuing that route for as long as I could, I... It was something I knew I really liked and I could fall back on if the NHL wasn't a thing. Yeah. Like it isn't for most people. Yeah. I thought the CFL was going to be a thing for me. That didn't happen. <laughs> it's okay. We're both here. Yeah, exactly. And I, uh, I I think I have a similar kind of path. Like when I was young um, playing sports, I had a couple injuries and that was like the first time I got exposed to physio. And I remember being like, oh, this would be something like cool um, to do every day. And it was always just kind of like lingering in my mind as I moved through all the, the, uh, the schooling and stuff. Um, and then, you know, the more I learned about it, the more I realized like the potential, um, that the profession offered for like a career. Did that evolve for you across like time as you started to learn a little bit more, maybe volunteer and then go through undergrad and eventually like applying to physio school or? I mean, I, th I think so. I didn't do a, a ton of volunteering in a physio clinic. Most of my experience was in strength and conditioning. Um, it didn't really evolve and change until physio school when I was doing some placements and I kind of realized how physio was and what it could turn into. And there's a ton of possibility there. Do you think having like the strength and conditioning background 
um, like influenced you with regards to physio? Like, yeah, I guess I'll leave it with that. I think so. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely played an influence on like my biases, we'll call them, I guess, in, in the physio world. Um, I think it also helped going through school because we didn't touch a ton on that aspect of rehab. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's one of the shortfalls of it, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, the more, you know, the more we talk to new clinicians or like physio students that have that background, especially as like, I feel the profession is shifting in terms of the approaches and stuff. I feel like having that exercise or strength and conditioning background can be super helpful when it comes to like moving into the the realm of physio and just knowing how to like regress or progress or like laterally progress movements. I think um, it's such a helpful base to like come from as you move into to the space. I agree. So what did you do your undergrad in then? I did my undergrad at uh, Brock University in St. Catharines. It was a kinesiology undergrad, Bachelor of Science. Shout out Badgers. Yeah. That's right. I heard I heard great people come from Brock University. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree. Um, when you graduated uh, this like like really recently, right? From physio school, yeah. Yeah. So you've been practicing for how long now? <laughs> Seven weeks, maybe. Seven weeks, yeah, yeah. Like it's pretty like pretty fresh. Uh, I I know like when I went from being in school to starting to see people, it was like pretty like a pretty crazy experience. Like what was it like for you when you finished school and you were going to start, uh, what was going through your mind when you were going to start seeing clients? I mean, definitely very nerve wracking for the first day. Luckily the, the place I kind of started at, I had roughly two weeks of shadowing going into it because I was taking over part of a caseload from, from someone. Um, so that kind of helped to settle the nerves a little bit, having already met the people that I, most of the people that I was going to work with. But I think that very first initial assessment where it was my own was a little bit different. Um, it was almost a relief too, to be doing it myself and not have like a CI watching over my shoulder and I could kind of do things my own way instead of tailoring my assessment and treatment to what my CI wants me to do with them because it's technically their client, but freedom, freedom. What do you think like your biggest concern was going into the assessment? Like what were you most worried or unsure about? Um, that's a tough question. I think maybe (laughs) that's why you're in the hot seat, bro. Uh, probably, just running out of ideas and there being time left over and me not knowing what to do, but I did not run into that problem at all. Yeah, what do you think helped you with getting through the assessment? Like what things kind of prepared you for it? Um, starting mentorship here before, <laughs> before starting my job. Um, so I kind of had like a framework to work off of and, um, like a plan going into it. And I knew that I was going to spend at least the last probably 10 or 15 minutes going through a plan with, with that person I'm seeing to outline what their treatment 
and their plan of care is going to look like. And you said that went pretty well. Like, like it, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible. All things considered, and that being my first one, it was pretty good. What is that like? What was that framework for you? Like, when going into it, like, what was that process like working through your mind? <laughs> going through my mind in was all the million tests I needed to do or I thought I needed to do. Um, and I think having that conversation with, with Will kind of helped settle that a little bit, but I still was like in my head, I need to do all these tests. Mm -hmm. Looking back on it now, after even just eight weeks or two months, whatever it's been, I think it was an unnecessary worry to have. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And I think I want to comment on it because like, uh, you know, it was a, a good question that Will asked about, like, what were you most worried about going into it? And um, one thing I remember from like my first couple assessments, and I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to this, is trying to like find this diagnosis and having to give this client a diagnosis is the one thing that I always like was really worried about. Um, when I first started and I think that's just the nature of you know how we were taught in school um, and that's where I think that like innate um, feeling of tests all the tests have to happen in order to like find this diagnosis so um, I've, I feel like if like you're heading into you know assessments that you try to like not let that always be the main driver like obviously you're ruling out red flags and we're trying to get an idea of like what's going on but i think that whole trying to get to that diagnosis can be very overwhelming to the point where you you miss out or you don't get some of that other information that you're you're looking for um so that's just something that popped to my head you know thinking about that question i mean i think just learning from you guys and how the podcast space has kind of evolved in the physio world in the last little bit has gave me a little bit of um, comfort going into those first couple assessments, knowing that I didn't really need to give a diagnosis to the patient, um, an exact diagnosis, and just kind of working with what their limitations are and trying to improve on, on those and finding ways to calm down their symptoms. Mm. And I think we should make it clear. It's not like we're not differentially diagnosing, like what an, is it driven by a nerve or a tendon? Like I think people would know that, but like we're still using clinical reasoning and trying to figure out like, okay, is this a tendon issue? Is this a nerve issue? Is this a joint issue? Is it a combination of the three? What's the main driver? Because obviously we're going to load like a nerve a different way that we're going to load a tendon. Um, so, you know, Nick and all three of us are still differentially diagnosing things, but I think not having to come up with that like specific textbook diagnosis um, is what we need to do all the time. And I think more of the challenging thing is how do you convey that to the client? Um, and if they're expecting a diagnosis specifically, how do you convey that to the client um, when we both when we all know it's like not always as black and white as we or the client would want it to be 
I don't think I've come across that yet in my two months. I haven't really had someone who's yeah. been poking me about like what the actual diagnosis Which, is. I think that's a really good point because that's something we talked about at the beginning. And I think that concern that you had is so common in new grads and it's overrated. It's very overrated. Yeah, because a lot of times that's the that's what happens. Like there's very few times I've found where people come in and they're very adamant about having diagnosis and that just comes... I don't know, that just comes back to your communication skills and just being aware of the client and what how they're operating and what they want and meeting them where they're at um, because then that just opens up a conversation around like that, conver- that, that situation, right? But I would say, I would agree. I think it happens way less than it's made out to. When, when people want a diagnosis, like do you, I mean, you, ha- you said you haven't come across it, but just like I find... Uh, people are okay with much more of a general I agree versus like so specific most of the the patients I've talked to about it are pretty okay with a general diagnosis of whether it's a nerve issue or a tendon issue for example I think as long as you're like showing them the path to overcoming the issues like I think it's very important that you're still identifying what their pain points are and what they're struggling with, where they want to go, and then how what you have as a clinician is going to provide them with the solutions to reaching that. If that's laid out well with the client and explained well and they understand it, then I think that whole diagnosis thing becomes a lot less important and they're not going to be as like up in arms about it. But I feel like if that part isn't done so well and then you're just like, yeah, you just have like, front of the knee pain and you know we'll just get that better and you know you'll be back to surfing in no time it's like that is a little less convincing right and people might be a little bit more left out on an island dalton has been working with a lot of surfers lately so <laughs> yeah that's like front of his mind um <laughs> the other thing i wanted to ask you nick because i'm very interested in this um because it wasn't this wasn't the case for me is you transitioned into a new caseload um as a, as a new grad, um, coming into a, a clinic and I, and I know when you were originally starting, like having a pretty busy schedule, um, how was navigating that? Because I think that is something that a lot of new grad clinicians or even clinicians that are changing jobs are coming into a caseload that's been managed by someone else, which even if you guys do have similar mindsets and how you treat, everyone's a little bit different. So how was managing that and how has that, how has that been so far? I think it was difficult at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten a lot more used to it as, as time has gone on, just in terms of the like current model um, with half-hour appointments and n- not too many breaks in between. But luckily, where I was working, they gave me the opportunity to schedule in some breaks nice. as a new grad so that I could get my charting in, honestly, even just clear my mind after three or four patients. Because I know in the evenings I've left some of those open without a break because those are more kind of prime time in the schedule. And after like five or six patients in a row, I'm ready to call it quits for the night. Yeah. The brain's fried. Fried. Scrambled eggs. Yeah. Um, what, like, what do you think has gotten better over the last like, you know, couple weeks or whatever, four to six weeks compared to like when you first started with regards to like 
managing i guess the thing that i would find trouble like uh hard would be managing expectations right because you're going from one clinician who has been treating and setting expectations to you coming in and treating and now setting expectations um and sometimes those expectations set by the other clinician might not be the same way that you would view it, which is a challenging situation for both the clinician and the client. Um, so I'm just curious, like, how how that has been. It, it was a difficult transition with some patients more than others. Others who I think I, I met, like, I saw more often in my first couple weeks shadowing were kind of more on board with the transition versus others who I maybe only saw once. Right. Um, even up to now, there's still patients who I have never seen, but are scheduled to come in that were on the previous caseload. And even without them coming in at first, there's a little bit of hesitation right now. Um, but just trying to manage the expectations slowly, I think. So not trying to change the narrative too quick. Right. Um, maybe sprinkling in some information here and there, like one, yeah, a little bit at a time, one session at a time, and kind of slowly moving into more of how I would like to, or how I think it should be treated. Right, right. No, that that makes sense. And I know we talked a, a bit about it, like all three of us talked a little bit about it when you were making... Um, you know, making that transition. And I think for anyone that is like transitioning into that scenario, you know, I think what you did was shadowing for a while, you know, it's if you have that opportunity and I think if you're moving into a new role, you definitely have the opportunity to do that. Like you should, cause I think that gives some, um, you know, you start building a relationship with these clients, it starts giving them some, you know, confidence in you and who you are. You can have some conversation, right? So it makes that like first time you are interacting in an actual session with that client a lot more comfortable for both parties. It also gives you a good idea of what that client's mindset is and what, you know, expectations they do have and how do they view their injury and how have they been managed. And that will allow for you as you step into the the role to be able to facilitate that, even if you are going to change up a little bit of your approach, you now know like where that client's head is at. And if they have a particular view on ultrasound, right? You're not going to go in there and be like, we're done. We're never doing this again. We're, you know, but you know, you might have a, a an idea of like where this needs to go. Right. And I'm not saying that happened in your case, but just an example, um, because I do agree, like going in, in there and just blowing someone's expectations or views up is not going to be good. Like I've done that, in, you know, with clients and it just doesn't work. So I, I think the idea of like getting to know them and then sprinkling a little bit in and sometimes maybe you don't even need to change the narrative either to have them get the outcomes that they're trying to get. Luckily for me, I think it wasn't a complete 180. Mm -hmm. I was the person I was taking over from was kind of on the same path as I think what I th would have done or I think I should do. Right. So it wasn't very, I didn't have to blow up narratives completely, yeah. which was very helpful. I yeah, think, it's the best well. case. Yeah. yeah. But it's funny, like, <clears throat> not that we haven't ever talked about, like, any clinical, more clinical stuff, like technical kind of stuff, but a lot of our conversations have been around like expectations about communication about 
the client experience, you know, uh, caseload manage like a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, seems to be the biggest challenges that have come up. I don't know if you agree with that. I, I agree completely. I think it's the most challenging thing to, to start to learn as a new grad and we don't get a lot of that experience or learning anything about that kind of stuff in school at all. Um, not even really through placements. And I think like all those particular tests that we need to do with patients, like they don't really know what makes my MCL stress test better than somebody else's MCL stress test. (laughs) But they do know who gives a good experience when they come in. And I think just talking about that through the mentorship has helped me with developing relationships with clients and communicating a little bit better, which is something that's difficult as a, as a new grad. Like for you, like you haven't taken any, you know, courses like acupuncture, like think like technical stuff like that. And I wonder why, like we've talked about that, but why do you think that's, important for you I, th- I think at this point in time I'm just trying to get my my feet wet and try and learn how to manage a caseload how to work with a client how to progress them through the plan of care how to kind of retain them I guess or work with them through the entire life cycle of, of a client and um, I don't I think at this point in time, like as a new grad, any courses that I would take would just throw more confusion into my brain and maybe even like a little bit of recency bias where I'm just going to start needling everybody. And I think the most important thing at the beginning is to kind of get the clinical reasoning down and work with the skills you have because the skills that we've learned in school are enough to get by at the beginning. Yeah, I, th- I think that's huge because like, not that acupuncture is like evil, you know, and you could use something like that, right? Or, or whatever, the insert treatment tool here, right? Uh, but like, the thing is, is what if that acts like a bit of a crutch and interrupts your learning for like, figuring out how to have those conversations, figuring out how to take somebody, uh, you know, through their plan, client life cycle to, to get them to continue when they want to drop off, right? But you need, you know they need to continue. And it's like, it's so easy to just fall into that trap of like, oh, instead of having this difficult conversation or like try to uh, change their mindset around something, I'm just going to needle and leave, right? And like, I think a lot of people fall into that trap and you miss out on a lot of the learning that you do need to do, you know, at that, at that time frame. even though it's so tempting to just like add on, it's add on. It's like, you've been refining and refining. You'll actually be in a better position to potentially add some other things if you want to in down the road. I mean, there are definitely things I want to add in down the road, but 
I think you said it better than I did, but the same thing I was trying to explain as well. Yeah. But even on top of that, it's like, even if the, you know, you're using the dry needle inappropriately, right? Cause there's times and places and it's a tool that people use successfully. Then what? Like still learning how to take someone through the plan of care, still learning how to give someone a good client experience, still learning how to, you know, communicate uncertainty, still learning how to, you know, lay it out on the board and take them through and make them see again, like where their troubles are and where they need to go. It's like, those are all such important skills. Like even if you are using dry needling, it's like, just because you've learned that skill now, what after you've used it. Right. Um, and I think that's why, you know, a lot of the things that we do in the mentorship and we're not the only ones that preach this stuff, but why I think it's, you know, so important early on is it gives you that framework. It gives you that understanding and then you can layer whatever else you want on top of it to use as a, a tool to take them from where they are to where they want to go. But if you don't know the framework of that or how to navigate those situations, it doesn't matter what you have. You're going to have a hard time um, executing on that, in my opinion. You getting some people better? People are getting better. Some of them. Some of them. That's the uh, biggest thing I think, you know, is like uh, you're able to have a really good impact right away, right? Yeah. Uh, on your clients. It's, it's not like you need to be a year or two years in before you can have a significant impact on the clients that you're seeing. Like I, I personally find when I'm having conversations with like people like you is that you – what you perceive as like not going well is actually like good and part of the process of getting someone better and you're already doing 95% of the stuff that I would be doing in that situation you're just like learning that uh, it's okay to trust that you know if that makes any sense I think so because it's like I'm I'm not doing anything differently I find like that's that's a lot of the conversations is like you realizing oh like Will just told me the exact same thing that was already going through my mind it's just like learning to like actually trust that and have confidence in my clinical reasoning and my decision making and I think just talking about some cases and hearing your perspectives has kind of helped with that for sure it's just a little bit of comfort I guess in knowing that I can be confident doing what I'm doing right now with just coming out of school have you ever forgot what leg the injury is on <laughs> yeah yeah bro yeah I just did that the other day I do it all the time <laughs> but I'm all, I always forget <laughs> pro tip you gotta have the computer up there and you just go to take a look at the exercise but really you're just looking at which ankle had the injury my approach is I've already done that my approach is hey can you just show me again like what where is that bothering you <laughs> nice yeah yeah it's funny when things like that happen eh? it's pretty funny sometimes i just put up my fingers and make the the left side <laughs> try and figure out which side it's on but what um is there anything that you've experienced so far that you weren't like expecting as a as a new clinician like anything that's just like whoa i didn't realize that this was going to be something 
something. Um, in the first couple months, not yet really, maybe just one case of a new assessment where there was some red flags that I had to kind of refer, but right. It's been pretty smooth for you so far. It's been pretty smooth so far, I think. Yeah. For me, it was just like the amount of um, just like managing the struggles that all of us humans have, like the, the, just like the struggle of committing to something, the struggle of forming a habit, the struggle of stress in life, like that was something that I wasn't like I was aware of it, but like when you get into it and how much like you have to manage that as a clinician um, and not only manage it with the client, because that's obviously part of their experience and their outcome as a, as um, someone going through rehab, but how do you manage it yourself with like the mental drain that that can put upon you as a clinician? Um, because, you know, most of the people in this profession want to help others and have, you know, a lot of empathy and I'm a pretty emotional dude. So like, I'll, I'll definitely take on a lot of that. And that was something that I was very surprised, um, by then I continued to like work on how to manage that. Um, so that was just wondering if there was like anything that you were like taken aback by. I think my experience through like undergrad and even through physio school as still working at at like a private gym as a strength coach and like working with clients kind of helps prepare me for that specific situation and trying to manage like going into physio school I had pretty much a full caseload at a gym previous to starting and then COVID happened and I already had to manage that as with all my clients when life changed drastically drastically yeah so i think that kind of helped prepare me for the little life stresses that we see with with clients who come in and see us yeah that's a good point and i and if i I look back on anything that i would do more of like in physio school or um like just to prepare myself is like working in like a service-based industry or like a a person facing industry where you have to communicate with a wide variety of people. Um, you know, like I worked at a gym for a bit and that was like so helpful to my communication skills. And then obviously, you know, you referring to the caseload, but even like something I think of is like being a server, like that would be such a, a, a good way of like building up your communication skills and your ability to like deal with different human beings and people who are super pumped to have you there and other people who are like super pissed at you. Like how do you navigate those conversations? Um, I watch, I watch servers now, and I'm like, I think I could crush this if I was a server. <laughs> it's so think, funny how you relate being a physiotherapist to that. Yeah, yeah. There's it's a, like not what you would think, but when you get into it, it's like it makes a lot of sense. Eh? Yeah, it make a lot of sense. So yeah. when are you uh, getting a new job at a? <laughs> no, Bro, you might catch me serving at a local restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one like more thing I want to kind of ask you is like, okay, so, you know, you're talking to somebody who's maybe finishing up school, like a, like a little Nick, right? Sure. You're talking to little Nick and you're like, all right, um, you know, what sort of words of wisdom would you give them with, uh, maybe helping them make that transition from being in school to going into uh, practice? 
again, like we talked about, I think my views are a little bit skewed because I took over a, like a full caseload, but I think I would probably give somebody that is coming out of school. Um, I think just like they need to look for whether it's within the clinic they're at or somewhere else like I did um, a mentorship that kind of aligns with the way they want to do physio or the way they want to be as a physio and more than anything it just gives you confidence when you're working with with clients and, and people did you tell him to say that Dalton oh, I prepped him bro <laughs> <laughs> You know the show is scripted, right? We're like, yeah, it's all on the whiteboard. The question is like, so Nick's just wondering, like, how how's your mentorship experience been? As you sit with two of the people that have taken you yeah. through the mentorship, you know, has it been an amazing experience that has taught you so much and provided you so much value? <laughs> but I mean, it is it is true, right? Because like, I think a lot of the stuff is just like the, the not knowing, you know, not knowing what's important, what to focus on, and and that kind of thing. So I'm glad that's uh, been helpful. And I think for sure people should look for someone that can like help guide them. That's going to be more, more than anything. It's going to be that stuff and not like whether or not you, you know, the right special test or, you know, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it just starts with knowing what you want. I think, and we've talked about this a lot as like new grads and like knowing what you want as a clinician, really sit down and think about this. Like, how do you want to treat? What does your day-to-day want to look like? You know, what kind of skills do you want to gain? And then once you really know that, you can go out and find people to help guide you with those things. So, um, yeah, I just want to add that in. So you got to sit with yourself a little bit, ask yourself some questions. Looking here. But we'll wrap it up there, guys. Nick, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been a, a pleasure, you know, getting to know you, having you around the clinic. Um, you know, part of the mentorship program for us is it really fires us up, and we learn a ton from you guys. Um, we learn a ton from taking the principles and the things that we've worked out in our mind and worked out here at the movement and and teaching them to you really helps reinforce them to us. And we've tweaked and learned a bunch of stuff from just mentoring everyone through the mentorship program that's going to make us better clinicians. So um, really appreciate like your engagement um, and your added value, you know, to the space. Thank you. I appreciate all the help. All right, guys, that's all we got for today. Actually, no, before we sign off, make sure you're following us at PT Coffee Cast on Instagram. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. And then also, if you guys want some of our free downloadable products, we have our three whys um, ebook that helps you discover your client's why. And then we have three sales tips that can help you get better client outcomes. You can find those in the link um, on our Instagram or in the show notes below. That is all we got for today, guys. Stay caffeinated. Peace.